0: Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. I want to start this morning with um, a scripture, if that's allowed. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty four. I like this little one. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Now... If you really think about this scripture, this, in a way, it actually seems to contradict common sense. Because it's very paradoxical, I think. Um, How is it that if I give more, if I give more, I'll get more. And how is it that if I give less and instead hold on to everything, that I'll have less? How does that actually work? And... It's obviously a biblical principle. It's a really simple one. I'm sure you've all heard of it before. It is, you reap what you sow. I'm sure you've heard this many times. Sometimes I think this one is misused a little bit. It can tend to be used often to when a person does something really naughty. It's like you reap what you sow. But that's really not the principle that I want to go with here. I don't want to apply this to... Um, this morning to seeds. I called it the seed. I went and bought um, a packet of carrot seeds. And in this packet, it says there are 2,000 seeds. 2,000. It's quite a lot. Just going to open it up. Well, that's interesting. I've got another packet. It's like one of those little Russian doll things, I think. Now, This is going to be extremely difficult for me. But I want you to imagine, because can you believe not, there are 2,000 seeds in here and my eyesight's going, all I see is dirt in there. Like it's, they must be extremely small. But I want you to imagine that I've got 2,000 seeds and i make a decision that I'm going to give four of these to the earth, just four. And I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to try. One, two, three... Four. I probably actually gave about seven. It's really hard to tell. There's one, like it's so... you can hardly see it, right? But out of those four, if you've ever done this before at home, I'll almost put money on it, that one of them won't work, it'll be a dud. It just won't germinate. One will probably get eaten by a bird or something else will pick it up. One, I will have put in either too shallow or too deep in the ground, so it's not going to work. But maybe, just maybe, one is gonna grow. And in three to four months' time, I will have one carrot. Um, I I guess I can make a snowman or something with that, um, if there's snow. But I want you to then imagine that in that same plot of land, I go a bit more adventurous and I do the full 2,000 seeds. Look at them all. I'd like to know who actually does the numbers, because I'd like, is there really 2,000 in there? Like, is that, (laughs) is anyone actually checking? And again, so if I put 2,000 of them in my plot of land, I'll guarantee you some won't germinate, some will definitely get eaten by the birds. That's definitely gonna happen. Some I will have planted too deep or too shallow. Some I won't have watered properly. Some I will have over watered. But I would believe that if I put 2,000 carrot seeds, and this is the time of year I can do it, into the ground properly, hundreds will probably live. Hundreds. And the possibilities that I then have are huge. I can have roast carrots, I can have carrot cake, I can make carrot juices, I can do salads, um, and I can give lots of other people carrots. Like You know know, when you ever get a glut of something, you always want to give it to other people. Lots of possibilities. The point is, the more seeds I plant, the greater the harvest will be. You reap what you sow. The more I sow, the more I reap. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. In my case, it would have been possibly one. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And this principle, I believe, is just as um, true spiritually as it is horticulturally. This is a spiritual principle. In, in Proverbs 11:25 it says, "The generous will prosper, but those who refresh others, sorry, the generous will prosper, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So rather than have an inward focus where I try to hold on to everything and I try to get everything that I can from others, the Bible suggests if you have an outward focus, if you actually don't put the attention on yourself, actually give it out to others, give generously from what you have, something amazing is going to happen. God will bless you. If you are generous, you will be generously blessed. If you are stingy, you'll be stingily blessed. It's a biblical principle. Now, it's not to be tested in the way that you don't go, well, Josh told me at church on Sunday that if I give out, I'm going to get back. So I'm going to give, Lord, I'm going to put $1,000 this week. Next week, I expect $3,000 back to me because I gave out 1000 God will bless you when and how he wishes, not the way that you want and when you want doesn't work that way what the principle is saying is a generous person is going to be far more blessed than a stingy person and it's not just the size of the crop either reaping and sowing also relate to the nature of the crop in galatians 6 7 it says don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of god You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. If you plant three corner jacks, don't be disappointed when it comes up and you're not finding apricots. It's not going to happen. The content of the seed that is sown determines the crop that is produced. You always harvest what you plant. You reap what you sow. Last week, Nick, who's away running that lovely youth camp for us. Lord help him. He looked at why we're called to evangelise. And two of his five points were, and I loved his little points. And if you haven't seen the sermon last week, go and have a look online on YouTube. Five really good points. But two of them that I just want to quickly re-highlight. Number one, it's the great commission, not the great suggestion. God hasn't given us an idea that if we've got, got some spare time, what we should go and do. He's saying, no, you actually need to do this. You need to go out and you need to tell other people about Jesus. And his second good point, evangelism done right ends in disciples, not just decisions. Getting a person to say, "Yes, I accept God, what, what does that actually mean if in three weeks' time, they've forgotten about it and they've gone back to their old life? Nothing's really changed. Really, really important point that what he said there. So planting seeds correctly ends in carrots not just a little bit of green growth coming out the top. We are all called to evangelise because God wants to rescue every single person from sin. And every person, as you know, is extremely precious and valuable to God. And so what we're going to look at today, Nick looked at um, why we need to evangelise and today I want to look very briefly at how. How does God rescue people? What is the plan? Well, here's a good starting point. In Matthew 13, verse 37 to 38, Jesus said, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. So the farmer is Jesus. The field is every person that doesn't know him. And the good seed is us that do. And then, a little bit further in Luke 8, 11, it says the seed is God's word. And so God's plan is to sow generously. You know, like a farmer that wants a really great crop, you don't sow sparingly, you sow generously. So Jesus has scattered us all around the world. He's got followers all around the world as seed. And he also wants us to sow the seed, the, the word of God into people's lives. He also refers to that as the seed. The seed is God's word. You know, there's this clear picture of this in the book of Acts. In book uh, Acts 8.4 it says, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. The people, they went everywhere. They went out wherever, where anywhere else there were people and they preached the good news about Jesus. And everybody that heard that good news repented and was saved. Of course not. But that does not happen. Jesus never said that would happen. Jesus said quite the opposite. Here's what Jesus said would happen if we share the good news. In Luke 8, he says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it, again, you're hearing this word scatter, as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among among rocks. It began began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that uh, grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was 100 times as much as has been planted, as had been planted. You know, most people, it's really saying that most people you and I talk about, when we talk about people... about Jesus they're still going to reject him and Jesus said that would be the case and when you do that it can be demoralizing it can be deflating um, it can be quite depressing but I've got a little verse for you if you can if you've ever experienced that and you've gone you know I've gone and I've spoken to people about God before and it has gone really bad There's a really good verse for you. It says in Psalm 126, it says, in 126.6, it says, they weep as they go to plant their seed. But, that's only the first part of that verse. It says, but they sing as they return with the harvest. When you go to share the good news... You do so knowing you're going to cop a bit. You do so knowing that not everyone's going to accept this, but they sing as they return with the harvest. You reap what you sow. You sow God's word, you reap disciples. And our responsibility is to sow God's word into people's lives, and I believe that God does the rest. It's not all up to us. You know, in Mark 4, it says... Jesus also said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters, again, scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. It's like us. Like sometimes we think, you know, I did this and I did that, but, and they accepted Jesus. I've got no idea why, because did the job I did was terrible. Sometimes we don't understand. Why is it that these people have responded, and yet others, I did such a good job? I did it so well. And they laughed in my face. And that's just sometimes how it goes. We don't understand how it happens sometimes. You know, we've just got to sow the, um, the gospel into people's lives and it's actually God that then goes to work. And we reap an enorm- enormous harvest. So the message here is simple. I think the message is just keep scattering seed. Don't be sparing With it keep scattering it keep connecting with people keep caring for people keep loving people keep sharing with people and then you might say well how do i do that like how well i mean every time i talk to people um, about the bible they run in the other direction and then i would ask you well what are you doing well i tell them that You know, God loves them. I I tell them that you need to repent of your sin. I tell you that, you know, this, Jesus is the only way. Now, if you, if this is your approach to sowing seed, that you come across a person and you tell them that God loves you and you really need God and you need to walk away from your sin and you need to do this and you need to do that, I want to say to you this morning, you may want to reconsider your strategy. Because that is the same approach that my wife uses to repel people when she gets a phone call from a scammer. When a person rings her, I've heard her twice in the last two weeks do this. When a person rings her and says, your NBN has been hacked, or your Amazon account is overdue, she says, She does it quite lovingly. Like she's a very loving person. Now, I know you're trying to scam me. But while I've got you, did you know that Jesus loves you? He died on a cross for you. He wants nothing. Phone's down. Are you getting the point? Why do we think that if we try that same approach that people are going to behave any differently anywhere else? I mean, these people on the phone, they go in quite optimistic that they're going to get... They, if they can keep you engaged, normally they're pretty happy to keep you engaged online. Start telling them about Jesus. There's something missing. Because there's nothing wrong with telling people about the gospel. I've just told you, you need to be doing that, right? But there's something missing. The, the, the missing thing here is that we're not called to just just preach at people. First thing, we're called to love people. We actually need to go and make friends. Now, you can talk to Sally later about whether she's been loving or not with those <laughs> scammers. But her heart's in the right spot there, I think. <laughs> make friends. Is it really that simple? Yes, make friends. It's, it might sound really simple, but you know what? There are so many people out there that are not making friends. Go on social media. And I reckon within two minutes, if you start reading comments for any post, apart from you posting to your friends, any post out there, it'll get negative really quick and it'll get brutal and people will start turning on each other. Even if the Prime Minister, whether it's Albanese or the previous ScoMo, gets on there and shows a photo with their wife having a barbecue, watch the comments. It's brutal. If you're driving your car and other people, eventually there's so much abuse going on on the roads. It is unbelievable. Hospitals, I'm horrified to hear what's happening in hospitals in the way that people treat other people and nurses and doctors at a hospital and ambulances. Schools, you know, when I was a kid, um, if I did the wrong thing, I tried to keep it hidden from my parents because I knew they would side with the teacher and the principal. Nowadays, you go straight to your parent and they come out to bat for you because how dare that teacher tell you off. Kids being really horrible to other kids. Sporting events where it's not the kids that are the problem, but the parents are the problem as they hurl their abuse at other parents or the umpires. Churches. You can visit a church and feel like you're trespassing. Someone will give you that evil glare as you've gone and sat in their seat. Do you know, things are getting so bad that even places like Ikea, there are real issues to the point that someone decided to make a point about it, which I want to show you now. I'm telling
1: all my friends not to shop here. Tell them. You think I want five other yous running around the store? Have them call me, I'll tell them you think you hate this place more than me? I work here. I know the sale ended last week, but can I still get a discount? Do you hear yourself? We can't go backwards. Time marches on. You want the sale from 15 years ago too? When's it end, Diane? You want that price? You're gonna have to go through the quantum realm with Ant-Man. Do you know how much money I spend here? More than you should. Meatballs ain't that good. Save your money. End my time. It doesn't matter how much you spend here, we don't thank our donors. This isn't PBS. I'd like to speak to your manager, I'd like to speak to your mother. Tell her she should be embarrassed. She raised someone to act like a baby in public. You wanna speak to the manager? Please. manager doesn't know what's going on, haven't you ever worked anywhere before? I know that's not right, I used to work here. Well, things change. Sorry they didn't run it by you first. You used to work here, well I used to be happy. Then you walked in. Can you just check in the back? Can you just accept we don't have it? The back ain't some magical place. What do you think is back there, Santa's workshop? The only thing back there is a clipboard with our schedules and some brownies Darcy brought in. The website said it was in stock, and what do your eyes say? Sometimes it's wrong. The website also has pictures of employees smiling. You see that? do you go yell at your computer instead of me, it'll get you the same result, nothing. This is cheaper at other stores, then shop there. Why are you here? We need directions?
0: I'll get you some, I'll call you an Uber. Cheaper at other stores, I don't set the prices. That rant actually goes on for four and a half minutes. <laughs> but it's built out of truth. And the reason that you can smile with that and understand that is you go, I can actually picture people talking like that. <sighs> there are so many people in so many settings that are unfriendly. Make a friend. Be a friend. Be a positive encounter. To who? To anybody. Anywhere you go, there are unfriendly, <coughs> negative people. Everywhere. They are everywhere. Everywhere. God has clearly said for us to scatter. You've heard it in so many of the verses this morning. He wants us to be planting seeds everywhere. And I think he can also lead you to a particular person. I truly believe this, that needs a friend. And sometimes God does prompt us and says, I want you to go over and talk to that person. Or you just get that sense, I'm meant to go and and say hello to that person. In Galatians 5.25 it says, if we're living now by the Holy Spirit... Let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And the Holy Spirit will guide you towards certain people that he knows just need a friend, someone to talk to. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit can do. But as, as we live our lives, we need to be focusing on making friends. It's what Jesus did. In Matthew 9... I like this verse, it says, Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home um, as dinner guests. Now, of course, Matthew, he's not a popular guy. We think it's quite popular, you know. Oh, gee, one of the the four Gospels. He's a, a great man of God, Matthew. But back then, he's a tax collector. They're despised. They're ripping people off. They're they're seen like the scammers that my wife knows what to do with and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they see Jesus. That's who Jesus is hanging out with. Jesus is making friends with these people. They ask his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Jesus is hanging out with all the people that they... Were, that that the good religious people would say, no, you, you wouldn't hang out with those people. But Jesus made friends. He went out of his way to meet people. Who? He, I think Jesus went out to meet everyone and anyone that would have him. You know, you see at times he's there with innocent children and other times he's with the scum of the earth. He's hanging out with everybody. And he made friends of them all. And the reason is, I like this in Romans 2, it says, don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient God is of you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And I think that that was Jesus all throughout his ministry. His kindness was to turn people from their sin. That's what he did it for. He wanted people to have a relationship with him. He wanted to save people. But he understood that you can't always just go and ram it down people's throats. He would actually hang out with these people. And connect with them. And unfortunately, sometimes we read the Bible and we just see the stories where he is preaching or he is saying this. But we can sometimes miss, you know, when he was hanging out there, how long did he hang out there for? He might have been there for six or eight hours, connecting with those people, creating friendships. In John chapter 8, Jesus is teaching the crowds in the temple. And some Pharisees arrive, and you probably know this story, and he... Um, they're dragging this woman that's been caught in the act of adultery. And it was a serious offence. The law of Moses Moses required that this woman be stoned. But they wanted Jesus' opinion. Well, they sort of wanted his opinion. They actually wanted to trap him. But he's got an issue because if he says, yep, go ahead and stone her, then he, he lacks mercy. But if he says, let her go, then he's not following the law. So what does Jesus do? And his response was this, pretty much. Okay, well, you, you can stone her. Those of you that haven't sinned, you, you guys, you go first. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. They all walk away. They've all done wrong. They've all done the wrong thing. And Jesus, he, Jesus then basically says to this lady, you know, I didn't come here to punish you for your mistakes. I came here to help you to live a new life. Now go and don't sin anymore. And I want you to notice a difference between Jesus and the Pharisees' approach. The Pharisees, they always like to go straight for the sin. Have you noticed that religious people want to go straight to a person's sin and say, this is what you're doing wrong? You're a bad person because you're this, or you, you believe this, or you're like this. They go straight to the sin. They can't help themselves. They, want to con- they go straight to the sin because they want to condemn the person. Jesus goes straight to mercy, straight to grace because he wants to free her. The Pharisees, they push, they push and they push for punishment. Jesus pushes for forgiveness. The Pharisees want to end her life. Jesus wants to save her life. Completely pulls apart, same situation, but their approach and their aim is completely different. And I can't help but think that at times we Christians, sometimes without realising it, start behaving like Pharisees. When we meet a person and we start focusing on their sin, rather than on loving and caring for them and making sure they're okay. We sometimes want to skip some steps. And if we're going to be like Jesus, rather than judge people, we really have to help people. We have to spend time with those that are lonely. We have to encourage people that are depressed. We have to build up those with um, self-esteem issues. We need to be there for people that are suicidal, not tell them that you'll go to hell if you... If you take your own life. We'll give hope to people that feel hopeless. We'll love people that are unloved. Support people with addictions. Tell them they just need to drop it. And we'll help restore people in bad relationships. And the best way I believe, and this is going to be, it's pretty simple stuff, but the best way I believe we can do this is just start by being a friend. People need more friends. Most of the time I read about Jesus in the New Testament, when he's not praying or teaching, he's out making friends or he's out helping people. He's providing, he's advising, he's inspiring, he's healing, he's loving, he's listening, he's caring and ultimately we see he's dying for other people. All that he did, he did to show his love for others and his care. And the challenge for us is do we show Jesus' love for others by the way we live our lives? It's something I want you to ponder. It's a personal thing. It's not a group thing. It's an individual thing. Do I show Jesus' love for others by the way I live my life? confronting. It's a bit scary to think about it too much. But every time we show love to others, I truly believe this, every time we show love to others, it is like planting a seed. And the more seeds we plant, the greater the harvest will be. The more love we show to others, the greater the harvest will be. The more we care for others, the greater the harvest will be. The more we are friends to others, the greater the harvest will be. You know, I've heard many testimonies over the years now about how people came to know Jesus. And I've got to say, very rarely do they say, just one day I decided to accept Jesus. What they normally, what you'll hear in most testimonies is it involves other people as well. And they'll say things like they'll they'll get up there and they'll start thanking people that helped them in their life. And they'll say, you know, this person was such a good friend to me, or this person did this for me, or this person was so caring, this person accepted me, this person supported me, this person listened to me. And later on, that person um, told me about God, or told me about green monkeys, or told me about youth or church, and that person prayed for me one day. And then eventually, I went and made that decision. But there's a process that took place. There's a friendship. There is care that took place. Can I have the music team come up? So many people were busy planting seeds in most people's situation, whether they realise it or not. 2 Corinthians 9.6, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And so my message today, I wanted this to be really simple because I want people not to get it all mixed up in a a 14 point plan of what we're gonna do. Because I really think there's one point I want you to focus on for the moment, and that is make friends. And I can assure you, if you go up to a stranger and tell them they're going to hell, you're not making friends. really important that we make friends you know it's because i've put it up on the thing it's because friends care that is the reason that friends can share if you make a friend i'm not saying at no point should you talk to them about god of course you should talk to them about god but wait until you've made friends And you don't make friends with them with the sole purpose of so you can talk to them about God. You make friends because it's good to have friends. It is good to have friends. But friends look out for friends. And I wouldn't want my friends to not know Jesus. And so as a friend, a person that cares about that person, I only want what's best for them. And therefore, that is why I want to share with God. shared God to them. So I've got one point for today. make friends, when we're at Ikea, rather than try to really ruin that person's day that already hates working there, say something nice to them. They'll be shocked. And I think that applies just about in every place that we go, rather than be nasty, or focus on people's sin or, or, or why don't we just be nice? What All those seeds being planted, what a difference that can make. What a harvest we might see if that is our sole focus for a period of time. I like to look at it. We make friends. Eventually we can share. workplaces in our schools in our To this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.